you know, as we were praying and processing just how to take another lap around this celebration that 2,000 years ago, God revealed himself through his son and his son laid down his life to pay for our sins, to take away the guilt and the shame and offer free forgiveness by the sacrifice he made on the cross. And then he proclaimed his power and his ability to forgive sins and to overcome death by rising again uh, on, on Easter morning with an empty tomb and a living body. Uh, how do we celebrate that? And as, as we thought about this year where we find ourselves in the state of the world and in the state of the church and in your individual lives coming this morning, uh, it's my heart that we would really whether you are a Christmas and Easter church attendee, whether you come every week, or whether you're here for the first time taking a chance on such a display of worship, we want this service to be all about Jesus. We desire that today, if you leave with one thing, it would be the reality that if he really is risen, then by his spirit, he is here. And if he is here, then we can sing his praises in a way that he would receive in real time. So uh, we're, we're going to change up our service slightly, and we're going to emphasize the worship of this. But before we do, I wanted to share why it is we can come, no matter what state of life you're in right now, you can come and sing his praises with hope and joy and confidence in the God that overcame sin and death. So I, I want to share just a short passage of scripture from John chapter 16. And just to catch you up to speed very quickly, this is actually a pre-resurrection message, but it's worth looking at because this is, in a sense, Jesus giving his Easter dissertation to his disciples, those who followed him for three and a half years, and they watched him display power and miracles to show that he has the ability to overcome sin and death. And he had a three and a half year ministry and these people followed him. They called him the disciples and, and he has a time with them right before he, he marches towards the mission of the cross. And this is what he says. He says, I'm speaking you these things, John chapter 16, verse 33, that in me, you may have peace. And this is what you will experience today, no matter where you are in your journey with Christ, is that those who believe in Christ have an undeniable peace about their life. And we're going to talk about why that is. And he says, I'm telling you this so that you would have peace. And then we get to the other half of any message that offers you peace. If you're being real in the world that we live in, peace has an enemy. And the enemy for the peace of your heart, the peace of your mind, the, the ability for you to confidently come and say, he is risen, and because he is risen, I can face tomorrow. He says, I bring you peace, but also, I want you to know that in this world, you'll have a lot of trouble. And so can we just pause for one second before we go a second farther with praise and adoration for the living God that we believe in? Can we admit, can we acknowledge, can I acknowledge on your behalf that you come in the midst of worship and celebration in a troubled world. Uh, I, I, I love the reality of the gospel or good news that we have hope beyond the grave, but it comes in the contrast of a troubled world. 
So I just think to the last couple of years, like many of you, if you have a memory that goes back a couple of years, you remember that our world has been shaken slightly. And I, I think of this day, this celebration, because just two years ago, this celebration was actually just me and my wife filming a little message that would get broadcast out into the interwebs, and we all watched scattered and abroad because the life has trouble. This world has trouble. And the message of Easter is a message to say, this is how people that are of Jesus believe that the world is overcome. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. Be of good cheer. As we sing these songs and this message doesn't just land on your ears or get absorbed by your mind, but you listen to it with your heart, here's the message of Easter. You live in a hard world. You're part of the problem, by the way. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the perfection of God. So when we accept the reality that we live in a troubled world, sometimes we want to do that by saying, yeah, because of these guys, <laughs> because of that political party, because of this bad medical advice, because of their uh, problem with following the rules and now they're messing it up for everyone. But the reality is, is we live in a troubled world because we're all troubled people and we all sin, and we all have to give an account of what we're going to do with our portion of the troubled world. And so Jesus says to all of us this morning, I wanna give you peace, because you live in a troubled world, and here's how I do it. I have overcome. Jesus is the answer to overcoming. And it, it comes in the midst of trouble on this side of the resurrection. This is why I appreciate this message from Jesus. He hasn't fully overcome yet, and what does he say? You live in a troubled world, I'm gonna give you peace, and just know this, don't give up, be of good courage, I have overcome, even before the empty tomb. He says it's as good as done, I have overcome. And as we sing these praises, for those of you who believe, this is something you cash in today, even before the empty tomb of your life even before the resurrection that God offers all of us who believe in him, one day we actually will be seeds that are buried in the ground and we will come out more glorious than we went in. I have overcome is why we worship today because we're already cashing it in. And he gives us a story. So I, I have time for one story. So let's just use the, the story that Jesus gives us. He says, I say these things, which means he's already shared a couple of things to give this concept. You live in a troubled world, but he will overcome. No one else. He says, think of it this way. Verse 20 of, of John chapter 16. He says, assuredly, I say to you, you're going to weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And, and this is the tension between peace and trouble. There will be a time in your life that it will not feel like Easter Sunday. There will be a time in your life, let me preach the bad news before we sing the good news, where you will weep and lament. And, and Jesus says when that happens, the world will actually rejoice. He uses the word world there as a way to describe the fallen nature, sin and death that awaits us all. This world will not redeem itself. This world will not conquer death. This world will not put all of the geopolitical things into order. We've been waiting for thousands of years. You're gonna keep waiting. This world will not solve itself. And it says, when you weep and lament because you go through the trouble, and he's predicting you will weep and lament when the cross is a reality, when they see the Savior hanging on the cross, you will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. Sometimes it feels like if the scoreboard between God's people and the world of sin and death 
the world of trial and tribulation and difficulty and division and heartbreak and divorce and fallen pastors and broken churches and families that break up and all of the real-time examples of trouble that exist in this place right now. Sometimes it feels like our score keeps going down and the world keeps going up. It's like the world's rejoicing, we're failing. He says, but not so fast, keep reading. Here's a picture for you. Your sorrow will actually turn into joy. Don't trust the scoreboard as it stands. It seems like the world is winning sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, If you've checked the news this morning or yesterday or in the past week or in the past hundred years, it sometimes seems like the world is winning. Wars, rumors of wars, pandemics, rumors of pandemics, all of the ways that we try to navigate interpersonal relationships that turn into fighting. And he says, all of that sorrow precedes the joy. This is the design of God. Sorrow precedes joy. And the greater the trouble, the greater the victory. So he gives an example. The greatest pain that you can experience in your physical body is the pain of labor to give birth. This is the example that he uses. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. Uh, Ladies who have given birth, can you just say amen right there? Like, amen. Guys who have seen birth, can you give a quieter amen, but also say amen? (laughs) I'll never forget as my wife was going through labor for our first child, um, she kind of looked at me and like, you did this. This is your fault. Why did we ever agree to this? This is horrible. It's so much pain. And I, could, I didn't have the heart to tell her that I had been applying counter pressure to her back. And I was actually starting to get sore myself. And I'm like, oh, I got to just take one for the team. But I feel you. This is hard. <laughs> and you know what happens in labor that can go on for hours through the night? It comes, and with the time you're not planned and least expected, it's like, okay, middle of the night. This is usually when I sleep. Pain, this is not comfortable. He says this, but when the child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Let your heart rejoice. Here's why this story is so important. After we held our first baby in our arms, my wife went from looking at me like she wanted to never see my face again, and the first thing she said to me was, I can't wait to have more kids. (laughs) I thought that happened within 30 seconds. The greatest pain of her life was so superseded by the greatest joy of her life that she completely forgot it, and overcoming is as good as done. And the next three kids, and that's where the story ends, we hope, There's something powerful about knowing how the story ends. There's something powerful in the midst of your anguish. And I want to acknowledge that Easter does not land perfectly for your meditation and your peaceful heart. And you guys look all, you guys look Sunday best. This church does not usually look this nice if you're visiting. You look so good. And yet I know in my own life it's true and in your life, Easter doesn't always land on a peaceful heart doesn't always land on the perfect family photo. It doesn't always land in the perfect church. In fact, usually Easter is a reminder that in this world you will have great trouble. But here's what we're going to do today. And this is why we're, I'm going to get out of the way as fast as I can. Today we sing and we cash in this verse. In this world we'll have trouble, but we're going to take heart because he's overcome. That's the end of the story. And because he's overcome, he says it even before the resurrection, I've already overcome. 
we're gonna sing it believing that our little versions of the fallen world have been overcome. Whatever the world throws at you, in the version of your own fallen nature towards sin and division, in the version of the fallen nature of the world and the culture that hates God, in the version of the principalities that are spiritual darkness behind the rulers of this age, whatever the trouble is, we sing today, hallelujah, it's overcome. It's as good as done because the tomb is empty. We're saved. We have the first fruit of all creation. And those of us who are in Christ can look at that and say, that's our destiny. And along the way, when the trouble comes, we say, we've overcome. We've overcome. We've overcome. And so I want to share one final story with you. And this is the Easter moment. In fact, you have to read it slowly with me. It's in Matthew chapter 28 because you might miss it. Jesus had told his disciples these kind of messages, his whole ministry. They were hoping that he would be a king to their choosing that would wear a crown and, and occupy Jerusalem the way that the glory days of Jerusalem looked. They never expected a king that would die. And for those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus, you might think we're crazy. In fact, this predicts that you will look at our worship and say, those guys are foolish because they're putting their hopes in a dead king. And yet all throughout the message, Jesus says, here's the mission. I'm giving my life to give, to give you yours. I'm gonna lay down my life and pick it back up so that in laying down my life, he who knew no sin, the one who should have never died, he'd never failed, he never sinned, he never caused the trouble of the world, he who knew no sin became sin, absorbed our failure to offer us forgiveness. And along the road to Jerusalem where the cross was waiting for him, he always said, on the third day I'll rise. It's as good as done. And yet if you just read two verses previous of what we already read, Jesus said to his disciples before he offered them peace, he says, you know, you guys are all gonna scatter. You guys are all gonna run. When the shepherd is struck, the sheep scatter. And that's gonna happen. Because when you go through the trial, when the Easter joy wears off, you'll wonder, is this actually going to work? Am I actually going to overcome? Because you're on the earthly side of an empty tomb. But we sing today, he is risen, he's risen indeed, not just to point backwards to the historical reality of an empty tomb, but to look forward to the living God who comes again for all of us who believe. And so here's the story you have to pay so close attention to this one line. It's maybe my favorite line in the Easter story. You know, we, we had a sunrise service this morning. We all watched the sunrise come up and take communion. Some of you were there. Such a great moment for us to celebrate this. But that is not according to the Easter tradition you find in the Gospels. The true sunrise Easter service, there was no one there. They'd all scattered, just as he said. They all had left, no one playing worship, no one waiting for him to come out of the tomb. Everyone had their doubts. Everyone's hopes were crushed. It's okay to be on that side of the journey. But here's what you must understand. In the Easter story, there's one woman that comes to anoint a dead body. She didn't expect to see an empty tomb. And as she's coming, she realizes the scene looked different than she expected. It says in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 5, the angel answered and said to the woman, don't be afraid. She sees an empty tomb. Don't be afraid. The Jesus that you seek, who was crucified, he is not here, for he is risen, just like he said. Just like he said. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But God, by the power of his spirit, offers you perfect peace 
that no matter what the world throws at you, he has overcome. And you can worship in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the, the, the headline news of impending doom, in the midst of unreconciled relationships, in the midst of heartbreak and hurt, because he is risen and he's overcoming. If he has the power to overcome sin and death, he can overcome whatever the world throws at you. Take heart. He has overcome just like he said. And so today we're going to acknowledge that. Not through a sermon. Because you'll never meet God simply through a sermon. And you'll never fully embrace the risen Lord from just the words of a mortal man. Today, it is my hope that you would encounter the resurrected king through your own praise and your own worship and your own acknowledgement of who he is in this place right now. So we're going to do that. If, if you are one of those friends that have come, I encourage you to join us in the acknowledgement of the power to overcome and in your simplest heart of hearts, acknowledge God. The word says, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So we're going to do that now. And then I'm actually going to come up before we sing one last song. I have one last thing I want to share to do that. So uh, let us worship and then I'll see you in just a minute to share one final thought with you. Hey, real quick, you guys want to take a quick seat. We actually are going to play one more song. But before we do, I wanted to share a passage of Scripture with you uh, that I hope if you take nothing else from this time that we had together, you'll remember um, a prayer that we find in the Bible. And I want to share a prayer with you because in these moments, you know, there's like, uh, it's the Easter sermon. You know, you want to I want to make the most out of all of these amazing friends or visitors that we have. And I, I wish I could just sermon you into the kingdom. Or I wish I could just, with my eloquent words, convince you that what we're experiencing, this resurrection power, is, is not just logical thinking or historical facts. He lives in our midst by faith in our hearts. And I, I, I just want to pray that you'd receive that. It says in Ephesians, therefore, I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus, and I just heard your faith, as you said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And I said, that's, that's what I'm hearing you sing. I, I, I want to pray that you would have your, your hearts opened to the acknowledgement of what you just sang. And this is the prayer. It says, because I heard of your faith, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that, that God somehow, if he's alive, he's in our midst, and if he's in our midst, his spirit moves to potentially use my words like seeds on the soil of your heart. But the prayer is that something would happen not with your words only, and not just with, you know, what you see in the worship of the saints, but that God, by the power of his spirit, would do something to reveal who he is in your heart. And then he prays three things. And I, I just want to preach them over you, that this would be real of your life. He says that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What is the hope of his calling? Well, we just 
saying forevermore, he's risen. You are called by God, created in his image, not simply to live 70 to 80 years of plenty on earth, but eternity is written on your heart. You sing with tears of joy and thanksgiving for the the proclamation that death has been defeated and eternal life has been offered because that is the hope of your calling. You were made for more than this temporal life. And then he says, and what are the riches of your inheritance? I pray that God would, by his spirit, open your heart to the riches of your inheritance. You were not made simply to store up for yourselves a lot of money in your bank account. It'll grow wings and fly away. It wasn't simply that you could have the swaggiest photos on the internet or to have the the life of your dream with a pool and kids and, and green lawn. Those are all great things. But our inheritance is eternity. Our inheritance, as it'll go on to say, is God seating the Son on the right hand forevermore that we would be with him and dwell with him in heavenly places. This is the inheritance that we wait for, and this is why so many of us long for something more. And then he says this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? How do you know the power of God? What is the power of God? He says, the power of God, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Today, we are acknowledging that the final enemy, it is not a political war. It is not a financial war. It is not the enemy of uh, popularity and friendship groups that are trying to be the best. What you are made for is resurrection. The final enemy is death. The great power on display today is that our God has the power to raise his son from the grave. And I share all of this, as I said, for one final song. And if you could leave with one thing, I want all of us to remember or maybe hear for the first time that Christ and Christ alone has overcome the fallen nature of this world. Sin has been dealt with on the cross and death has been dealt with by the empty tomb. And if that is true, I pray that your hearts would be enlightened not only to call him savior, but to call him the king of your life. To, to give him not just your praise for saving you, but also to give him your life, that he would be the Lord, the shepherd of your soul. And this is what this prayer goes on to say. He's raised in heavenly places above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age which is to come. You see all the lawn signs as you drive through our city. He's above them. You see all the people arguing over their favorite heroes of politics, heroes of Hollywood, heroes of sports. He's above them all. There is one person who came, lived, died, and rose again. And if it's true, then he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. His name is to be praised over all other names. And those of us who believe, that's why we're here. To say once again, you're the king. I'm not the king. The pastor's not the king. The president's not the king. All of these can have little submissions that you give them authority for a brief moment in time. But the king of kings and the Lord of lords is the one who sits on the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And I got to say, I've been looking forward to this song, this moment all week, because this song is called Hail King Jesus. And for those of you who believe, I encourage you to give anyone here who wonders who this King Jesus is, 
a preview of heaven when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and the arms will be raised and the tears of joys will flow because there's no more sorrow and there is no more death and the final trumpet is sounded and we all praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and every Easter we say, Lord, as we wait, we're gonna practice. So this song is called Hail King Jesus and if you would stand and sing it to our King now. Happy Easter, everybody.